Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Greetings, people loved by God. Welcome to worship on this, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Uh, for our friends worshiping online, just a reminder, as usual, you can go to our website, chapelofthecross.org, and there under the resources tab is where you can find a, a copy of the bulletin there. You can print out or just follow along with the service, and there's also a give tab there where you can give your offering to the Lord and the ministry. Uh, a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship today. A reminder about our special Bible class with Dr. Sanchez. He is speaking on life in the Spirit, and we've just got two more classes. Uh, we meet right here in the sanctuary at 945 on Sunday morning, so please come and join us. Also, our Congregational Voters Meeting will start at 12.15 today downstairs in Room 9. Uh, the purpose of that meeting is to approve an update to the bylaws of our congregation. Uh, you can read about that in the chapel weekly. All members of chapel are invited and encouraged to attend, so just stay after church for that important meeting. Come down to Room 9. From now through Father's Day weekend, our life team here at Chapel is collecting donations for Thrive St. Louis. Uh, Thrive is a wonderful organization. They're a life-affirming ministry here in St. Louis. Uh, to help with that collection, there's some uh, empty baby bottles in the, in the commons area at the table there. We ask you to take those home, fill it up, fill it up with coins or bills or a check made out to Thrive, and then bring those back to Chapel of the Cross on or before Father's Day weekend, June 18th or 19th. Uh, more information about that is in your weekly today. On Thursday, the 26th of May, we are blessed to gather together to celebrate the ascension of our Lord. We will worship that night, 6.30 p.m., share Holy Communion together as the body of Christ and enjoy uh, worship time together. So I invite you to come to church on ascension night, Thursday, May 26, 6.30 p.m. Starting uh, June 1st, we'll be having our evening prayer services once again in the prayer chapel. So if you remember in the past, over the summer months, we, we have prayers, uh, uh, hold an evening prayer in the prayer chapel. It's just a short 20 to 30 minutes, mostly sung little prayer service. It's a wonderful time to gather as the people of God and have a little prayer time. And we'll start that on June 1st. We'll meet on the first and third Wednesdays of the month, uh, starting the first, and um, that the services start at 6.30 p.m. So please join us for that. More information also is in your weekly about that. And Ch Chapel Summer Choir is beginning to rehearse on Thursday the 9th of June. Rehearsals are at 7 p.m. on Thursday nights and run through the end of July. So you're encouraged to come and sing, even if you're not part of the regular choir, uh, come and join the summer choir. There's a sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center, so if you wouldn't mind to sign up there. And if you got questions, feel free to contact Ryan Meyer. He'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. And we are looking forward to Vacation Bible School in just a few weeks. We will hold a weekend VBS June 11th and 12th. Information about that is in your weekly. And there's a display, if you noticed, in the, in the commons area over by the office uh, with um, uh, uh, registration forms and volunteer sign-ups. And there's also a pile of flyers that you can take with you. So take one or two or more and give those to maybe some neighbors with children or family members and invite others to come to Chapel of the Cross for a weekend VBS. I encourage you to do that. And just to let you know, there's a new location now for the flower chart and the radio broadcast sign-up chart. Uh, that is now located right next to the elevator in the commons area. So there you can sign up to sponsor a radio broadcast on KFUO or purchase flowers for a weekend service. So uh, a little easier to get to, a little easier to find and, and notice there. So you'll be, see that over by the elevator. Our elder for this weekend is Ken Kreitner. Ken is 
right here, and he's going to greet you at the door as you leave today. Get to know Ken as one of your elders here as Chapel of the Cross. God's blessings to you as we worship this day. We begin our worship by listening to our choir sing the call to worship.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is God's grace knows no bounds. Through his sacrifice of his son, the bridegroom of the church, he makes us his holy bride. Anticipating that heavenly wedding feast, let us seek God's grace now and call on him for forgiveness and mercy. Almighty God, have mercy on us, for we cannot help ourselves. Forgive us for all that we have done in the past. Give us grace in this present time and lead us to serve you and love one another in the future and on into the eternity here. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die and to rise for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them his Holy Spirit. May the Lord who has begun this good work in us bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joy is found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and The first reading is from the 11th chapter of Acts. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from the 21st chapter of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be a more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that her child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated for the hymn. This hymn is a bit unfamiliar to some, and so you may want to take out your hymnal and turn it to number 768 so you can follow the melody as it is printed in the hymnal.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our risen and victorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God is a way of kind of changing his people. Maybe you have experienced that in your life. Sometimes he does that in kind of subtle ways, and other times he does that in not so subtle ways, sometimes in very dramatic ways. But he's got a way of changing his people. Kind of enters into our world and into our lives and into our minds and into our hearts. And he initiates a divine encounter with us through his word. And he changes the way we see things. Scripture is, is really full of examples of that. You know, Moses lifts up that bronze snake in the wilderness. He invites his people to see this glimpse of God's mercy and their healing. The prophet Hosea, he marries and remarries a prostitute and invites God's people to see a glimpse of their sin and God's long-suffering love for them. Jesus points to the lilies of the field and he invites his disciples to see this glimpse of lavish care that he showers on his people. Jesus tells the story of a father who rejoices over the return of his prodigal son so that his people get just a little glimpse of God's favor for his prodigal children and his never-failing grace. And today, God paints a picture paints a picture of a bride, beautifully dressed, beautifully prepared for her wedding, and he invites us to see just a little glimpse of heaven, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Here again, a portion of that second reading appointed for this day from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the, new, and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is the end of John's visions in the book of Revelation. He has seen a lot over the 21 chapters so far. He has seen God's throne in heaven, the, the angels, the saints, the victorious lamb, he has seen the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, and all those that have poured out upon the earth. He has seen the second coming of the Christ, the final resurrection, and the judgment of all people. The book of life has been opened, and now, for a moment, God gives John one last vision. It's the city of God, descending from heaven, dressed as a bride, beautifully adorned for her bridegroom. And at this, John's visions cease. And we find him with his face to the ground, bowing down in worship. And when he finally can talk, and when he finally does speak, all he can say is, come, come, Lord Jesus. That's the cry of the church too, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus. That's our cry. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. John prompts us to long for and to look forward to that future when Christ will come again. But John also prompts us to remember our past and to remember who we are. We, as the church, are the bride of Christ, beautifully adorned for her groom. What a picture that is. 
And we are the bride of Christ. You know, I've seen quite a number of brides in my lifetime. I have presided over many weddings here at this altar. I've seen brides walking down that center aisle and everything about them, just, just perfect. You know, all of them beautiful, just from head to toe, just gorgeous. What is it about that that makes a bride just so beautiful? Why is it always that way? Is it because of the extraordinary lengths that a bride goes through to make herself beautiful on that day? Well, maybe that's part of it. You know, a bride does go through an awful lot to make herself beautiful that day, doesn't she? Buys this very, very expensive dress. Probably the most expensive dress she will ever buy in her life. And she buys that dress knowing full well she was going to wear that dress just one time. All of that money to wear this dress one time for a matter of just a few hours to make herself as beautiful as possible. And the dress isn't all. I mean, she goes to the salon then. She gets her hair, hair done. She gets her nails done. She's got this whole bridal party whose only job it is to make sure that bride is as beautiful as possible, to not overlook everything, everything, anything, to make sure that everything just goes perfectly. Do you know that the average cost of a wedding in the United States is over $28,000? $28,000. I'm glad I only have one daughter. <laughs> $28,000. So she spares no expense to make sure that she is beautiful. But is that the essence of why the bride is so beautiful? Because she takes such lengths and she spends so much to dress herself up. Well, some would say, well, that helps, but it, it certainly is not all there is. And that is not actually the essence of why she is strikingly beautiful on her wedding day. No, what makes the bride as so beautiful on that day is the person standing at the other end of the aisle. The groom. The groom who looks down at the aisle at his bride with a gleam in his eye and he says, that's my bride. That's the one I love. That's the one I'm going to marry. And the bride looks down the aisle with a gleam in her eye, and she says, that's my groom. He's the one who asked me to marry him. He's the one who loves me. He's the one who thinks I'm beautiful, not just today when I'm wearing this beautiful dress, but every day. He loves me unconditionally. And we are going to promise before God and all these witnesses that we will be husband and wife together as long as we both shall live. That's the beauty of the bride and the groom on their wedding day. That's the reason a bride pulls out all the stops and spares no expense to make herself as beautiful as possible. As it says in her text, is a bride beautifully adorned for her husband, for the one that she loves, for the one that loves her. A wedding is about the love of a bride and a groom that they have for one another as they speak their commitment to each other. And that's what makes the bride so beautiful on her special day. Is it not the same way with the bride of Christ, with the church? What is it that makes Christ's bride so beautiful? Is it because we try to dress ourselves up and make ourselves look good? No. And we do that. We dress ourselves up. We put on our Sunday best. We might 
pull on a, a tie or a Sunday dress. But even more than our clothes, as soon as we walk through those doors back there, we put on our Sunday best, don't we? Our best behavior, our best words, our best smiles, our best greetings, our best attitudes, because we're coming into the house of the Lord. But it's not always like that, is it? Sometimes we are not dressed in our Sunday best when we walk out of those doors after worship. And we don't always dress ourselves in our best Christian behavior all the time. In fact, I would say that there are times when we are not beautiful at all. We are the bride of Christ. But we certainly don't look like it sometimes. Selfish, prideful, egotistical, offensive, self-serving, self-absorbed, self-centered, Sometimes we look in the mirror, and that is what we see. And that's about as far away from being the beautiful bride of Christ that you can be. We even tend to forget all about that wonderful fact that we are the bride of Christ. I read the, read the story of a pastor who was, was visiting a, one of his parishioners in a nursing home. And this particular nursing home was not really a, a place of, of life. It was... Not a high-quality place. It is, you know, the linoleum floors and the white hospital walls and the institutional lighting, the TV blaring in the commons area. Just not a nice place. It, it had made him never want to be there, dying in a place like that. And, and that made him only want to be there all the more for his parishioner who was nearing the end of her life in that nursing home. She was lying on her bed, and he was kind of standing alongside her when all of a sudden they heard this kind of commotion out in the hallway. There was laughter and, and clapping and people shouting. He wasn't sure what was going on. Lola asked him what was happening. As he looked out down the hall, he saw them, a bride and a groom, coming down the hall. And the bride was beautiful, of course, that white wedding gown flowing behind her as she was kind of skipping down the hall. She was visiting her grandma. Her grandmother couldn't make it to that wedding. So on the way from the church to the reception hall, she brought the wedding to them, to her. And that, that one short visit there at that nursing home brought that dead place to life. As the pastor looked up and down that hall, he saw people kind of sticking out their heads out their doors and smiling and laughing and talking and shouting even about what they saw. And when he returned to Lola and described what he had seen, it, it just completely changed their conversation. This vision of a bride, that opened up the books of Lola's memory and she began to talk with him about her own wedding. Lola's wedding was not a big affair. In fact, she had no white dress, no pastor, no church, nothing fancy at all. She was a war bride with a civil service before the justice of the peace. But it was still a wedding. And she, for a moment, in that place of dying, remembered who she was, a bride. Sometimes, I think, we need to be reminded who we are. We are the bride of Christ. 
And for as ugly as being selfish and self-serving and self-absorbed and self-centered makes us, we are still loved and we are still forgiven and we are still made to be a bride. We are a bride because someone loves us. We are a bride because somebody promises to be with us for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. He will forsake everything else and he will love you even laying down his life for you to forgive all of your sins. That's what makes us a bride. And that's what makes the bride beautiful. It's what makes us beautiful. It's not something in us, how we behave or how we're dressed up. It's the groom. It's the groom who waits at the end of the aisle for his bride to come. It's the groom who waits at the altar with a gleam in his eye and he says, well, that's my bride whom I love. And the bride looks at her groom and we say, that's my Savior whom I love. He's the one who died for me and he's the one who loves me. He's the one who cares for me. That's what makes the bride beautiful. The groom does. And his deep love for his people, the church. And the groom is thrilled to say of his bride, isn't she beautiful? Isn't she a gorgeous bride? I cannot wait to share with my bride a message of love this day. I can't wait for my bride to commune at my table with me. I can't wait to speak my words of promise and my words of commitment to her. I can't wait to remind my bride how much I care for her, how much I shower her with my mercy and forgiveness and grace. That's why the bride is so beautiful. That's why the church is so beautiful. That's what John's vision is all about. It's about a bride, about you, his church, and a bridegroom. A bridegroom, Christ, who loves his people for better or for worse. Even though we can be sinful and selfish and unloving, still he comes and still he loves and still he dies and still he rises. And you and I are the bride that he comes for. And nothing you and I can do would ever make us into a bride. He has done it all. He has made you beautiful in your baptism. He's made you gorgeous with his grace. He's made you magnificent with his mercy. And he's given us this vision from John to remind us just who we are. We are the bride of Christ, God's own creation. A bride, then, that serves. A bride that loves. A bride that shows mercy. A bride that sacrifices for that one she loves. A bride that lives for that one who died for her. You are the bride of Christ, breathtakingly beautiful, because you belong to him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed, page 10 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord. rise in body and spirit to pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all according to their needs. Father, you created us in love and for love, but in rebellion many times we have turned from that love. Receive our thanks and praise for giving us your own Son, who paid our ransom and set us free to know and love you again. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, lead us to overcome our fears of loving and giving. Strengthen us by your grace so that we may love one another, that we may prove to be your disciples, and may show your love to the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all, We pray for the church's mission, both at home and abroad, that you would bless the proclamation of the word, 
lead more to train for the pastoral ministry, and move all of your people to support our missionaries through prayer, generous offerings, and acts of encouragement. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we pray for peace among all nations and that you would grant wisdom to our president, Joe Biden, and to the leaders of all nations, that they may promote good order and allow for the clear presentation of the gospel message. Lord, in your mercy. Good Lord, we pray for the families of those whose loved ones were killed in Buffalo, New York. O God of life, we commit this outrageous act to your mercy. We cannot fathom the hatred that drives a child of your own creation to kill ten others whom you love deeply. In our horror and grief, make us agents of your love. In our helplessness, make us your ambassadors of reconciliation. In our despair, make us bearers of the truth of your resurrection your eternal kingdom, and your life. Grant these beloved ten your eternal rest, and grant healing to those who are injured and recovering, and peace to the many who mourn. Lord, in your mercy. Great God, be present with all who are ill or hospitalized, homebound or in pain. We especially remember this day Audrey Lukey's relative, Richard Mason. We place Richard and all others who are infirm in your loving, sustaining, and merciful hands. Lord, in your mercy. We give thanks to you, Lord, for all the faithful who have finished their course and now rest from their labors. Bless their families with peace, comfort, and strength especially the family and loved ones of Evelyn Sievert, who died in the Lord last week Friday, and Curt and Jean Weikert and their family upon the death of Jean's sister, Ruth Kopp. Grant that we also may remain faithful in the, in the grace into which we have been called. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son conquered death and the grave through his death and resurrection. As your children, we live trusting in his victory and in your promises. Bless all who mourn the death of your servant, Reverend John Schmidke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in St. Louis. Bless them with a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Cover the Schmidke family and the Bethlehem Church family with your comfort and your peace that passes all human understanding. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the 
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen. Amen. We sing together our closing hymn.